Today we're talking about a highly addictive and delicious ingredient, coffee. So usually when we decide on an ingredient to focus on for Ingredipedia, the first thing I learn is how it actually grows, Mm -hmm. which I'm aware is pretty basic, but it always blows my mind. So we've covered that pineapples grow on small shrubs and peanuts grow in the ground. I thought they both grew on trees. (laughs) But I actually feel pretty smart today because I already know how coffee grows because my uncle used to grow it. And I've picked it myself. So he lives in northern New South Wales, kind of near the coast, but he used to grow it on his property in Duranbar. And the cherries that are used to make coffee grow on large bushes. And you pick the cherries when they're red and then you use the seeds inside to make coffee. Anyway, that was about 15 years ago and he doesn't grow coffee anymore because it's really expensive to pick the cherries if you don't have a machine to do it, which he couldn't have because it was so hilly. So in the end, the cows ended up eating all the cherries. Really? Mm. And how did they go with that? Um, Yeah, I I don't know if they were like super caffeinated, but (laughs) um, I think, yeah, they were just all gone. (laughs) So it's like self-made lattes. So Ben, do you ever get headaches when you don't drink coffee? Absolutely, all the time. (laughs) Sometimes um, I'll be sitting at work and I'll think, why am I in such a bad mood? And why have I just been clicking into random folders without actually opening any documents for the past 20 minutes? And why does my head feel like there's a bass drum inside it? Yeah. And then I realized it's because I haven't had a coffee, which actually makes me really happy because I realize I'm not just a moody idiot. I'm just addicted to coffee. Yeah. And the the headache is a caffeine headache. So um, if you get a headache when you haven't had a coffee, you're addicted to caffeine and your body is in withdrawal. So I wanted to find out why this happens. So the science is... When you drink a coffee, the caffeine constricts your cerebral arteries, which um, take the blood into your brain, which means the blood travels more slowly through your brain. Mm -hmm. And when you miss out on a coffee, your brain is expecting the caffeine. So the arteries dilate in anticipation, which increases the speed of the blood flowing through your head, which causes the headache. So I guess that's why your head feels like it's throbbing when you haven't had a coffee because the blood's traveling so quickly. Yeah. Okay. Um, but I just think it's so weird when you take that first sip of coffee that your headache instantly goes away. Yeah, is that... Is Surely it's not hitting the brain that quickly. Yeah. But um, I spoke to a soon-to-be doctor graduate who okay. is my friend and he said that it might be hitting your brain that quickly. Really? Like it really is magical. Caffeine, um, <laughs> is there anything it can't do? I know. So to avoid the headaches altogether, you should drink a consistent amount of coffee at the same time each day. So don't go drinking seven coffees in one day and two the next day. You've got to keep it consistent. Okay. So seven every day. Yeah. Gotcha. <laughs> Tick. But it um, doesn't really help if you're trying to give up coffee. So um, if you're trying to give it up, apparently the headaches will last four to five days yeah. um, if you're going cold turkey. But a way to get off coffee without the headaches is to lessen the amount of coffee you drink slowly every day until you're drinking none. Okay. But why the hell would you want to do that? Because (laughs) this is the coffee episode. It's true. So hook the machine directly up to us. Yeah, put it straight (laughs) straight into the eyes. Repeat Ingredipedia listeners might have heard me talk about a little war called the American Civil War. Uh, And I've got good news for people who are fans of arcane militaria. Um, Civil War played a part in the American, uh, sorry, the coffee played a part in the American Civil War uh, and the American Civil War played a part in coffee uh, in the popularization of it and, and it's spread across um, the United States. In fact, in soldiers' diaries, and this is from a reputable source, this is from the New York Times, in soldiers' diaries, coffee appears more frequently than the words rifle, 
cannon or bullet. That's how much the soldiers in the American Civil War were into uh, coffee. So um, I, I guess we don't need to go over the how the Civil War ended. It was basically the Union in the North, the Confederates in the South, the, the Northern, Northern soldiers won. But um, So the Union soldiers uh, in the North basically regarded coffee as a performance aid. Uh, so uh, one diarist said, nobody can soldier without coffee. Uh, also General G- uh, Benjamin Butler ordered his men to carry coffee in their canteens and planned attacks based on when his men would be most caffeinated. Uh, And they loved it. They brewed it wherever they could, using any water they could find, including puddles, river water, like from the Mississippi, uh, even water that the uh, horses wouldn't drink, they would turn into coffee. Uh, And they repaid... um, the, the, the army itself repaid this love by issuing soldiers roughly 36 pounds of coffee each year. Uh, the men ground the beans themselves and brewed it in little pots called muckets. They, it wasn't filtered. They just kind of like boiled it in sort of like a billy basically. And then they'd have to kind of extract the beans from it and, and drink it as well. And they spelt, spent a lot of their downtime talking about the quality of, of the coffee. Uh, so in their diaries, you can also uh, hear them talking about a delicious cup of black or fuming about wishy-washy coffee. So that's in the North. They were well-resourced. Um, but, uh, Looking at the south, where they were, as we've discussed before, scraping salt off, uh, well, scraping dirt off butchers' floors to get the salt out of it, and eating peanuts to stop themselves from starving, they also, um, and that's thanks to the um, the British naval blockade. Coffee was just as scarce as salt and every other food and meat, but um, not having coffee, coffee didn't stop them from drinking coffee, or kind of coffee. Uh, and this is from from the same New York Times article. Confederate soldiers and civilians would not go without. Many cooked up coffee substitutes, roasting corn or rye or chopped beets, grinding them finely and brewing up something warm and brown. It contained no caffeine, but desperate soldiers claimed to love it. General George Pickett, famous for that failed charge at Gettysburg, thanked his wife for the delicious coffee, in inverted commas, commas uh, she had sent gushing. No mocha or java ever tasted half as good as this rye sweet potato blend. They even made coffee out of acorns, like from an oak tree that you find on the forest wow. floor. Um, and luckily, so can you, I found... Um, a recipe online for acorn coffee. It's pretty simple. Uh, you collect a whole bunch of acorns from the forest floor, um, being careful of maggots, which can um, live in them. Uh, then you soak them in river water for two days, or you can boil them for like an hour or two to get rid of the tannins. Uh, and then also when they cool, you check again for maggots. Um, mm -hmm. and then you peel the acorns, which takes, you know, uh, an hour or so. Then you lay them on a tray and roast them at 180 degrees Celsius for like two hours, and then you grind them in a coffee grinder, and then you roast them again, um, and then you boil them like coffee, and hey, presto, you have acorn coffee, so that's good news. Do you have to check them a third time for maggots? I think it's probably a good (laughs) idea. Always check for maggots. Uh, So next time you're fossicking on the uh, forest floor, just know that you're only a week or so away from uh, a, a lovely deca- decaffeinated and disgusting coffee. Well, sort of coffee, not really coffee, just some acorn <laughs> mush in a cup. Maggotless, though, so. We hope. So we're really excited to have a coffee superstar with us today on Ingredipedia. Tim Varney has spent 
the past year with Small Batch Roasting Co. as green coffee buyer and head of quality. And before that, he spent six years as roaster and manager of Tim Wendelbow in Oslo and three years at the Tate Modern in London. He's also worked as a coffee consultant in LA, Berlin and here in Melbourne. Plus, he founded the World Aeropress Championship in 2008 and has grown the competition to over 50 countries. So welcome, Tim. Thank you very much. I wanted to start off with how you started going from being a coffee drinker to being in the coffee world. Um, I guess it's the same the same story as every single coffee professional. Okay. It's, it's accidentally. <laughs> um, normally during university, you'll have a sort of a, a loose cafe job. And for me, it just became um, a little bit more serious. And uh, yeah, I sort of chased it a little bit more and it became a little bit more serious as I went on. And now, yeah, I'm a full full coffee professional I suppose you've spent a lot of time in other cities so Oslo Japan Berlin you you know all all sorts of places I was always curious um how regional coffee is like how different is from uh, from a kind of a pure sort of blend like coffee blend um perspective how different is the coffee in Oslo to Melbourne for example yeah it's it's become a little bit homogenized now but um there's certainly traditions that um, sort of stem from different cities in different countries um traditionally in Norway and most of Scandinavia everyone drinks filter coffee yeah um it's not so espresso centric but it is becoming so um, and obviously the his- history of Melbourne's espresso scene was because of the Italians and Greeks coming over mm-hmm. um, in the 50s, I suppose. Um, so, yeah, every, every c- city has different um, trends and, and traditions and, and those kind of drive what happens in coffee in those, in those places. Mm. Yeah. So, obviously, the methods between filter and espresso are different. Can you quickly explain what the difference is? Yeah, so I guess... the. They're, they're the same in that they're both going through some sort of filter process. So with an espresso machine, it's, it's through a metal filter basket is what we call it. And through filter coffee, normally it goes through some sort of like mesh filter or a paper filter. Um, the difference with an espresso machine is it's, it's under pressure as well. Um, so that's sort of why we're able to do it so quickly. Um, so that's kind of the main, main difference. Um, the, the drink itself... Um, the espresso is obviously much more concentrated in flavour, um, whereas the, the filter coffee style brew is a lot more open and transparent and you get sort of um, more subtle nuances from filter coffee than you would for espresso. And you founded the World Aeropress Championships. So when I've got an Aeropress at home and when people ask me what is that, I've really struggled to explain what it is. I'm like, yeah. it's a syringe that you use yeah. to make coffee. Um, how does it differ from different other methods of filter coffee so it's it's very similar to a lot of other methods um it uses a paper filter just like um like a v60 or a normal drip filter style filter brewing process um so it's it's similar very very similar it it has very slightly different results i suppose from from cup to cup and it's very um uh, you can you can change how you brew depending on what you want to have as a result um, so, so the Aeropress competition was basically a bit of a joke that started <laughs> in 2008. We wanted to um, figure out how to use it because it was only invented in 2005. By really? The, yeah, by the same wow. person that invented the Aerobi flying disc. <laughs> so it, he awesome. sort of was a coffee lover and decided he wanted to make coffee um, uh, by sort of a cup at a time rather than making a big batch. Mm. And, and so after sort of 40 different... Uh, versions. He finally came up with what we're seeing now. Um, so the competition was basically um, 
uh, invented, I suppose, to figure out how best to brew with it. And so it, it, it got a little bit out of control and it's now in way too many countries and yeah. taking way too much of my time, yeah. So because the AeroPress is pretty, like, inexpensive, does that make the competition different to other coffee competitions in that, like, it's less of a barrier to entry? That's exactly right. That's kind of what we want to try and achieve with it as well is it should be open to anyone, inclusive, and the, the guidelines are really simple. It's not... Um, it's not heavy on rules and regulations and it's about having fun and getting the coffee community uh, together um, in the same room. So that's kind of the, the gist behind it. Yeah, um, cool. But I just noticed on, um, uh, we've got a blog of course and there's a recipes page with all the different kinds of recipes for brewing the AeroPress and there was a spike on Boxing Day. So obviously there's loads of people who got an AeroPress for Christmas yeah. and there'll be loads of AeroPresses in the back of the cupboard soon I think as well. <laughs> Yeah, I made the um, 2015 world champion brew oh, today. Good. Excellent. I used the wrong beans and I didn't use bottled water, but I feel like it was as close oh, as I was going to get. That's halfway there. That's okay, yeah. <laughs> What's the mix of um, the like coffee professionals that, that go in the world championships? Or like, could I – I mean, I don't, I don't have an AeroPress. So I'm, a, I'm a stovetop kind of um, – Dude. Dude. Um, but could I get an AeroPress if I got one for Christmas? Could I be competing – by this year's world yeah. championships or is it like a people like is it kind of serious stuff going on it's not particularly serious like you know backstage it's taken pretty seriously by most of the people but on stage it's it's a bit of a laugh yeah you know there's a dj we have fun it's music there's beer blah 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 yeah um but we want to encourage people who are just making coffee at home who um you know anyone can make a, a great coffee with an aeropress so mm. so we, we want to encourage people um like you who uh, are stovetop people to, to <laughs> jump in as well um one of the things that you're working on at the moment is the the coffee for the noma pop-up that um renee redzepi's uh, uh copenhagen restaurant that's coming out to sydney yeah. um how do you go about kind of putting together coffee for a, for a restaurant i guess so, as iconic as 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 noma yeah um it's sort of there's a bit of history there when i was working with tim wendelbo in oslo um we had Rene Redzepi speak at a coffee symposium thing um, and his pledge at the end of the, his talk was that in a year's time he'd have the best restaurant coffee in the world. So in a year's time with the help of Tim Wendelbow and, and the staff there we were able to sort of put together a really good pro- coffee program for him. So so when Mads, who's the sommelier there, and Rene were moving to Sydney they got in touch with me having had that history. Mm. But yeah, I mean famously restaurant coffee is pretty ordinary. Um, Loads of the Michelin-starred restaurants use Nespresso pods and really don't put much effort into their coffee program. But mm. but it's it's people like um, Renee and Mads and, and the staff at Noma who really appreciate coffee and, and put the same amount of love and care into all of their other produce and ingredients. Is, there, is it hard for you in a sense that, you know, coffee's not going to be the hero there? Um, no offence, um, yeah. but, but people are probably going there to eat ants and you know, absolutely and yeah. forage things and you know the the amazing food experience and coffee will just probably be a bonus is that kind of interesting for you do you have to kind of take a bit of an ego back seat or or are you on yeah. level pegging no i mean ego back seat is absolutely fine i think um it's a nice um uh, starting point i suppose when people aren't expecting much from the the coffee service or the the, the end of the meal normally it's this horrible little bitter espresso um so Obviously, when there's um, care and attention put into it, um, people are people love it, 
So um, there's a few um, restaurant programs that have table-side coffee service. So they brew next to the table, so you get to see the process. So, um, for instance, the um, Confederate method of cooking in a billy can is actually done at a, at a two-Michelin-star restaurant in, in Oslo called Maimo. So, wow. yeah, so I think if you put a bit of th- theatrics into it, people um, take notice, which is nice. And do you know how Rene Redzeffi likes his coffee? Um, yeah, I think I do. Um, <laughs> I haven't made one for him for a long time, but he, he loves espresso actually. So when we first uh, started the coffee program at Noma in Copenhagen, um, it was just filter coffee, but he sort of pushed for espresso as well. Um, so I know he loves, I know he loves espresso and I know he loves, uh, coffee in Australia as well, which is really nice to know. Uh, and just just finally, we pride ourselves on being a coffee city in Melbourne. As somebody who works globally in coffee, are we actually all we're cracked up to be? Yeah, I, I hate to say this. I hate to sort of pat ourselves on the back, but it <laughs> actually is pretty true. Um, we're really, really spoiled in, in particularly Melbourne. Um, and there's a really good scene happening in Sydney now as well. And, of course, other cities in, in Australia. So, you know, I would definitely put us um, in the sort of top, five coffee cities in in the world so yay australia (laughs) (laughs) melbourne Uh, you've been uh listening to us talk to tim varney who is the guy behind uh the world uh aeropress championships and he's um setting up a a roastery collective at the moment as well um when are we when are we going to see that sort of really really soon yeah i've been busily working on that with um my co-founder tim williams who's just moved back from london so hopefully in the next couple of months yeah we'll have some exciting announcements tim funny thanks very much for coming on ingredipedia and making us a lot smarter than we were before <laughs> my pleasure about coffee cheers so you know when um baristas make pitches in your latte yes do you think that's dumb or cute uh if it's a skull i like yeah. it okay um, well, a heart's one thing, but I've seen some pretty intense latte art on Instagram lately, and I wanted to investigate the extreme end of latte art, like 3D stuff, and how to do it. Mm-hmm. So first, the basics of latte art is in order to make it, the coffee has to have the right crema layer on top, and the milk has to be steamed so it's the right texture. So you're probably used to getting like ferns, hearts, tulips, and stuff, yeah. which are done by doing the free pouring method which is moving the milk as you pour it into the cup and then there's also the etching method where after you do the free pour you like um move the milk around with a little stick to create like really intricate patterns Mm -hmm. and then the next level is 3d coffee art so this is the stuff i've seen on instagram like bears popping out of your coffee cups giraffes popping out of your coffee cups like literally like Mm, like actually like the height of your cup again in foam so the 3D latte art hero is this guy in Japan called Kazuki Yamamoto. And to give you an example of create his creations, I watched a um, five-minute video where he put two cups of um, like two flat whites side by side and then constructed this art that linked the two cups together. So there were fishes in the surface of one cup, but then lying over the top of the other cup in 3D foam was this cat popping up, looking at the fishes with its paws reaching over between the cups and the cat had a face with whiskers. And how he makes this, (laughs) it's so intense, is by spooning on different textures of foamed up milk in different places. And he's also done a Salvador Dali-inspired latte artwork where one of the melting clocks 
starts in the coffee and then hangs off the side and it looks exactly like the melting clocks in the painting, which is pretty cool. But I wonder if the coffee would actually taste good. I've never had 3D latte art coffee, but it kind of seems it's, like there'd be too much foam. It's more about the art, less about the coffee. Mm. Luckily, well, we, we still have a coffee expert in the studio, <laughs> Tim Viney. Where do you stand on 3D latte art? Uh, I mean, it's great. I wouldn't want to drink it. It yeah. must be freezing cold by the time it's yeah, served. Yeah, exactly. But um, if you're looking for an entry-level way to like play around with latte art, like mm-hmm. me, um, you can buy a 3D latte art maker for about $88 on the internet which is, again, like a syringe, but you froth up the milk in it first and then you kind of like squeeze it out in puffs and build up your little bear or build up your cat. Okay. So, so it's like, like almost like cake decorating. So you sort of... Yeah, but it's with foam. With foam. Yeah. Milk milk foam? Yeah, milk foam. It looks okay. like super foamy though, like a really bad cappuccino foam. <laughs> but um, yeah, so maybe I'll buy one and I'll... um. Report back. Well, you, you're going to have to now. <laughs> we'll be watching the Ingridopedia uh, Instagram with great uh, um, anticipation. Um, look, um, we've been talking a lot about drinking coffee uh, and not enough about inserting it into um, our rectums and lower intestine, as far as I'm <laughs> concerned. Um, luckily, I'm going to sort this out uh, by discussing, discussing coffee enemas. Um, apparently, they're a thing. Uh, according to Wikipedia, and an article on Sprudge.com, which is a serious coffee website, uh, and they've, they've discussed um, yeah, coffee enemas on there. Um, coffee enemas are described as the enema-related procedure, this is straight off Wikipedia, uh, of, so you know it's true, of inserting <laughs> coffee into the anus to cleanse the rectum and large intestines. This procedure, although well-documented, is considered by most medical authori- authorities to be unproven, rash, and potentially dangerous. How dangerous, you ask? Well, coffee enemas can cause numerous side effects, including infections, sepsis, including Campylobacter sepsis, severe electrolyte imbalance, colitis, polymicrobial enteric septicemia, proctocolitis, salmonella brain abscess, and heart failure. If the coffee is inserted too quickly or is too hot, ouch, uh, it could cause internal burning or... I'm going to skip that part. Uh, (laughs) Oh, my God. Well, it's rectal, it? perf- per- rectal perforation. I was, trying to, I, was trying to, I was trying to spare the listeners, Emily. Uh, uh, long-term use of coffee enemas can lead to malabsorption of fat, fat-soluble vitamins and calcium. But yeah, So people apparently have died from it. But that doesn't stop the good people at Pure Organics from making a coffee, especially for the tradesman's entrance. They describe it as lightly air-roasted, organic, shade-grown, high-caffeine and high-palmitic acid whole coffee bean. It's free of toxic substances and is stored in whole bean form uh, for freshness to provide optimal effects. Uh, but let's not believe them. Let's believe a user review on their website because that's the only <laughs> thing I ever believe. Uh, uh, I think it got four stars across the board in effectiveness, purity and quality. And uh, Batia said, the coffee that I got has had better results than other brands. Lots of toxin release and feel relaxed afterwards. Smells great too. Oh. <laughs> so as long as it smells great, uh, I'm I'm in, I guess. Are we? Um, okay. Are we pro? I, I won't see you there. Okay. <laughs> Tim, pro, uh, pro I'm, coffee I'm enema? You haven't? I'm out, I'm afraid. Okay. 
So heaps of food has coffee in it. There's obviously the tiramisu and cakes like chocolate and coffee cake or walnut and coffee cake. And then on the drink side, there's the espresso martini or tia maria. Mm-hmm. But if you're looking tia maria, to, yeah. <laughs> if you're looking to incorporate coffee into main meals, not just dessert or alcoholic beverages, you can make a coffee rub to flavour meat. Mm-hmm. So I did this the other day to see how it tastes based off a recipe on a site called Barbecue Pit Boys. <laughs> um, and they said apparently coffee works well with beef, lamb, chicken, fish, even duck. So basically anything, anything. goes well yeah. with coffee. Yeah. Um, so to make the meat rub, I ground some coffee beans and then added salt, paprika, brown sugar, pepper, onion powder, garlic powder and ground coriander. Mm-hmm. And I mix them all together to break up the brown sugar and then put some olive oil on some steak and pat it in the coffee mixture, left it for an hour and then grilled it on the barbecue. So I have the coffee and spice mixture here, okay. which um, if you smell, really oh. smells like coffee. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's good. Have you ever made one before? I haven't made one. I bought, I've, I've had it um, bought for me from uh, my, my folks were in the, in the States. In, I, I don't know if they were in the South, but they were kind of somewhere in the States and brought some salmon rub back that had, right. had some coffee, like kind of a similar vibe. And it's, it's damn good. Yeah, I was really excited about it and it smells really good. But then when I actually cook the meat, it you can't taste the coffee. Uh. It just turns into a really smoky flavour, which is still like really, really nice. It's like the best steak I've ever cooked, but I kind of expected to be able to taste the coffee. You're talking about it in past tense. Yeah, well, I do have it here, but I'm, I really am scared to give it to people, especially Tim. Like, I don't really care about giving it to you. Then, no offense, but you're, you're um, happy to poison me, but not yeah. not our, our guest Tim. I'll, I'll give it a go. I'll uh, give it a go. I've been right. eating ham out do of the fridge have since. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We've got... uh, oh god. Yeah. Okay. This is okay. happening. Well, you choose which one. <laughs> <laughs> It's the, it's the season for, for you know, eating questionable meats. That's <laughs> for damn sure. I'm just trying to get a bit that's got heaps of surface area. Okay. It's cold. Now everybody can listen to us no chew. No chewing on air. No chewing on air. Okay. <laughs> uh, has anybody finished eating? Because I'm <laughs> I've swallowed mine. What did you think? Yeah, it's it tastes like a delicious steak. Yeah. Can't really taste the coffee though. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess the spice mix is like, in the end, probably like only a third to a quarter coffee. It's not exactly the starring ingredient, yeah, is it? Yeah, And there's a lot, like, you can, I feel like you can taste the paprika and coriander in there, but not really the coffee. Mm. Anyway. Okay, I'm done now. Um, yeah, I agree. Yeah. More coffee. I, yeah. I say just, just throw coffee all over <laughs> all the foods. Just... Put it in your fridge, just like have a coffee gun and just shoot it in your fridge and all food, just have coffee through it. Sweet. Um, okay. I feel like I probably got things off off track a little bit with my enema talk earlier and I'm just hoping that we can sort of get it back on track with some things that are more delicious. Um, now, I was hoping to, to make you guys a coffee at this point, but um, I, I didn't get a chance. So if you can just imagine that you've just drunk a coffee. Um, yeah. <laughs> yep. Okay. Uh, would you describe the flavour of the coffee that you've just had in your mind as terpeny? What does that mean? I don't know. Cineolic, <laughs> camphoric, aliaceous. 
You're just le- making up words. Leguminous. <laughs> I'm not making up words. Um, I'm, I'm not because uh, these are actual expert coffee taster words that come from uh, the Specialty Coffee Association of America or, or SCAA Flavor Wheel. It was developed in the late 1990s by Ted Lingle, which is a fantastic name. Ted Lingle, I just want to say it again. Uh, the former executive director of the SCAA, and he's currently the executive director of the Coffee Quality Institute. Um, so he, he was a you know, coffee tasting and, and realized that there wasn't a, a vocabulary for coffee tasting the same way that there is for wine. So he developed one. Uh, and the the, um, the words that I just used, cineolic, camphoric, they all come from uh, the... the, uh, the I think it's the the faults wheel. There's two wheels. One is is kind of what's gone right. One that's what's gone wrong, um, and it's broken into flavors and aromas. And so yeah, it, it provides a unified language for the cupping world, which I assume is a tasting session and not something more. Yeah, it's the sort of universal way of tasting coffee. And so th- there's a universal way of tasting coffee, and there's a universal wheel. Tim, do you use the the wheel? Yeah, it's it's normally um, stuck on a wall in a cupping room for people to refer to and it's a great training tool as well um, because there are a lot of sort of flavors and aromas that um, don't necessarily strike you straight away so when you refer to the wheel it's like ah, oh, yeah lemons yeah yeah it is aliacious yeah it's very <laughs> I <much. don't> know. <laughs> um so the, the wheel is as tim just said highly regarded um but there are kind of new versions floating around I, f- I found a new version that counterculture coffee in the states have put together uh and um so if we can imagine we've had another taste of a coffee that's maybe not particularly good and if i had made your coffee it's very likely that it wouldn't be very good what my job um when i used to do the breakfast show on on three triple r was to make coffee for the guests and one guest um, who shall remain nameless. Actually, it's acclaimed author Tony Birch told me that it was the worst coffee that he'd ever had in his life. So it's very likely that he would have described my coffee in these terms, gamey, sour, garlic slash oniony. Tim, have you ever had a garlic slash oniony coffee before? Yeah, <laughs> okay. I know I know what that means, yeah. Old wine, uh, musty, Yep. baggy. Yeah, that's... Well, does it taste like the, the bag it came ba- in? Baggy is, well, it happens to, but it's not because of the bag. So it reminds you of the sort of Hessian sacks that coffee bag, right. that coffee uh, is okay. stored in. Funk slash garbage, which I quite like. It sounds like a musical genre. Yep. Uh, and the final one uh, that you, you may discuss, uh, you may describe my coffee thus, Band-Aid. Delicious. You may remember the the, uh, the facts that we threw back and forth about coffee. Uh, I talked about the acorn coffee uh, brewed during the American Civil War. Emily? I spoke about um, coffee headaches and how to avoid them, which is by drinking more coffee. Uh, I, talk, I spoke about coffee enemas. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry I did, but I did. Yeah. Um, and I spoke about 3D, 3D latte art. Then I spoke about the tasting wheel. And then I um, talked about how I made a spice rub with coffee to use with barbecued meat. And potentially we poisoned ourselves yeah. <laughs> with tainted meat. One of the, uh, the, the other great things we had this evening was uh, we had Tim Farney in uh, to talk about the world of coffee, and he is a, a coffee expert. Now, seeing as we have a special guest in the studio, Tim, uh, I thought I would ask, well, we thought we, we would ask you, uh, who you think 
won tonight? Whose facts were the most interesting? It's a tough one because I got fed by Emily, <laughs> yeah. which is very good. You, you got some tainted meat from Emily. Yeah. But, but you had the most sort of serious coffee bit. And for me, that's the flavor wheel. And that's mm. really important to what I do. And I think um, it's a very good educational tool. So if you want to really educate people, introduce them to the flavor wheel of coffee. Okay. Not by making 3D no, um, giraffes. No, okay, exactly. fine. <laughs> Thank you, Tim, for that. Uh, I don't win very often. Um, you can vote for us as well if you go to our Instagram, at Ingridopedia. Thanks for having us. 